We'll get right to it. I love the Bible. How many of you love the Bible? The Bible rocks. Seriously, it just rocks. It's amazing more people don't open it and read it. You know, it's a little intimidating because it's kind of big and fat. And you open it, it's got so many words. And, and especially if you open it to the Old Testament first, it'll freak you out. Because uh, they, they spoke very, very cryptically often. But the New Testament's cool. That's all cool, actually. We're going to look at both tonight. Uh, we are in James, the uh, chapter 4. Now, what we do on our Wednesday night Bible study is uh, we take a book of the Bible and we walk through it verse by verse and try to really get a picture of what the scriptures are saying. A little bit different than Wednesday or Sunday morning. Sunday morning is, is typically a topical type sermon. In other words, I'll grab some subject and then pontificate about that particular subject and, t- and tell you what I think about whatever and, uh, and try to get you to believe me. But anyway, uh, uh, James, uh, or on Wednesday night, it's more, less about what I think and what the Bible thinks. Okay? The whole thing is focusing, what does the scripture say, verse by verse by verse. Uh, the Bible wasn't written in bits and pieces. You know, we often jump around like that in our sermons. So, it's, it's written this way and we want to take a look at it. Let me encourage you, bring your Bibles with you on... Uh, uh, on Wednesday nights because it'll be great for you to be able to see where we're going, where we've been, what's coming next, just to get the whole sense of the context. I know we have the big Bible in the sky up there and that's fine, but uh, it's cool if you can actually bring it. Good, uh, Not quite as important on Sunday mornings because of the way we teach, but anyway, blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Let's pray. Shall we pray? It's a good thing to pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness. We thank you for the riches of your truth. God, your word is truth. In the pages of this incredible collection we call the Bible is, is your heart. It's your desire for us. It's, it contains the wisdom of the ages. How to succeed in life. How to succeed with God. How to succeed as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child. God, help us. Give us a hunger for your truth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Give us a hunger and thirst. Salt us, O Lord, so we become thirsty for more of you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so here we are. We are in James, the fourth chapter, at verse 7. And uh, now what we just did, if you're looking at the context, you can look back back at verse 4. Um, James has been kind of, you know, throwing out all these instructions. And then all of a sudden he gets kind of mean. And he's in his mean streak for the next chapter and a half here. Because he says in verse 4, you bunch of adulterers, you know. And he's like, whoa, 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 kind of strong words. But uh, he, And he started rebuking these believers who were kind of keeping one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus and not really making a full determination to be completely associated with God. He says when you do that, that's committing a spiritual type of adultery. You know, Jesus is very jealous. God is jealous. He wants your whole heart. He doesn't want pieces of you. He wants all of you. It's a wonderful thing is that he'll take all of you, and uh, which is an amazing. So anyway, we're going to pick it up at verse 7. So he says, submit yourselves then to God. In other words, look, you need to be completely in for God. And he says, submit yourselves to God. Surrender. Submit. Let him have control. And then a very interesting uh, phrase here. You should all memorize this. uh, A simple phrase that says this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, for those of you who are regular members of Celebration Church, uh, you remember earlier this year I, I preached a message on what we think versus what we believe. You remember that? You know, there's, there's things that we believe that's just... We believe it. This is all there is to it. And it generally centers around things that virtually all Christians believe. It's nothing really radical or anything else. Uh, but then you've got the I think category. People will say, what do you believe about speaking in tongues? Well, I'll tell you what I think about it. You know, I'm not going to you know, let you blow my brains out over it. Now, if you said deny Jesus or I'll shoot you, you know. Here I come, Lord, you know, pull the trigger, Jack, because I'm not doing that. You know, if you say, well, what's your, what's your belief about the rapture? Is it pre-trib or post-trib? I ain't dying for that. You know what I'm saying? There's no, I'll tell you what I think, but you say, well, no, it's the other way. I'll go, well, great. You know, I was just telling Lathan or whoever it was, uh, 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 Pastor Gary, actually back there, he asked me uh, some doctrinal question. No, it was for Lathan, some doctrinal question. And uh, he says, well, what do you believe about this versus that? I said, I believe in the pan theory. He says, what do you mean? I said, I think it'll all pan out in the end. You know, <laughs> who cares? You know, like God's waiting for our decision on things, you know. You know, so some things, Christians are famous for arguing over these most ignorant things that ultimately don't really, you might be wrong. There's a concept. Oh, no, you're not God. Okay. And neither am I. But having said that, there are things and opinions that I have, and I will share with you and say, look, this is, this is what I think, or I'll say I might believe, but it's kind of in the think category. And I'm about to do that to you right now, so I'm just setting you up for this. All right. Now, what I'm talking about is there, there is a line of thought among believers, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was half and half in this congregation. It's uh, some people on our staff are one way, some are on the other. And that is this idea that they believe that Christians can be possessed of the devil. And, uh, and then there are those, like myself, who don't think that's possible. Okay, I just think it's incon- inc- inconceivable to me. I just, I just, I don't get it. I don't see how a born-again, spirit-filled person of God with the Holy Spirit living inside of you and Jesus living inside of you can be possessed of the devil at the same time. I just... I, I can't get there, okay? And some wonderful, wonderful people have completely opposite viewpoints on this. Your last pastor and I would have some rather heated discussions along this line because he was inclined to think that it was possible. And I said, I think it's just absurd. It's, it's ridiculous. That's my opinion. You can believe whatever you want, okay? But now let me show you why I think what I think. First of all, just for the obvious that I don't think... Jesus thought light and darkness cannot be in the same place at the same time and, and all the other things. But uh, people say, well, what about people who struggle with sin and then the devil's hassling them and da-da-da-da-da. And, and I believe the solution there is to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay? That's what I think the Bible teaches. The Bible says we wrestle against spiritual forces. Now, wrestling, any of you wrestle in high school? I said, you know, we all, everybody had to do like wrestling. All the guys, right, in gym class, we all had to wrestle. Man, did I hate that. It was the worst. It's just horrible. You know, first of all, you got to touch a guy, which is like just creepy, okay? And he's sweating. He's trying to hold you tight. And it's like, well, leave me alone, you know? Like, I don't know you this well, you know? And, it's just, and, and you're fighting, and, and it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's brutal. You know, some guys love it. You know, just ah, they wrestle and stuff like that. The reason I hate it is because it's nonstop. You know what I'm saying? 
It's not like, you, okay, now wait a minute. We get ready for the next play. You say football. You know, you kind of line up. You smash each other's brains out. And then you line up and think it through and do it again. I like that. Or, you know, different games. and you, you, Tennis. Okay, I messed up. Okay, now get ready for the next one. You get a chance to think. Wrestling, there's no time to rest and think. If you rest and think, he will stick your face in the ground. Okay? And it's like this really... Not my favorite sport, to say the least. I absolutely hate it and detest it from a personal standpoint. That's me. All right. Now, this is the analogy that the Bible says how we deal with the devil. We wrestle. Wrestling is a drag. Wrestling is like... And, it's, and at times, it's, a pastor feels like it won't quit sometimes. Welcome to wrestling. Okay? WWF, man. All right? This is like intense, you know... Pulling kind of thing. Now, what the Bible is teaching us in that in wrestling, in resisting the devil, if you will stand your ground, you will always, always succeed. Why? Because greater is he that is in me, meaning Jesus, than he that is in the world, meaning the devil. Which, by the way, it doesn't say greater is he that is in me than also that he that is in me. All right? Again, it's what I think. You don't agree with it? Take a pill. It'll be fine. All right? So... So I just, I'm going to actually teach him this on some, in greater detail someday, but I'll be fair and say, look, this is what I think and, and stuff. A lot of it, quite frankly, banters on semantics and stuff. The reality is the devil is real. He really, really, really is real. And uh, he will make your life hell in the hopes of taking to, you to hell. Okay? But I don't think the solution is to cast him out of you. That's my personal opinion. Um, I think your solution is you need to learn to resist the devil. You need to learn who you are in Christ, get confident about who you are in God, learn what the promises of the Bible are, stand on your own two feet, and get ready for a wrestling match. And, and it just, at times, it just, it really sucks. It just does. It does. Can you say that from the pulpit? I just did. You, 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 it, it does. It just, it's just, you know, you hear this huge sucking sound the whole time. It can, be, it can be exhausting. Have you ever felt exhausted as a Christian? Resisting and it's coming against you. Say, why won't it stop? Why won't it stop? Why won't it stop? It's because it's a wrestling match. And as long as the devil knows there is a remote chance you'll give, in, give up, he will, he'll come at you full force. What he finally surrenders to are those who refuse to give up. Those who Because ref- you have to remember, when you are resisting the devil, God is on your side. And the heat on the boy is off the charts. And at some point, it's just not worth it to him anymore. This is when you start walking in victory as a believer. When you realize you have the upper hand in this struggle. You do. You have the upper hand in the struggle. So it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. So it's just me and the devil's a lot bigger than I am. It doesn't matter. You see, greater is he that's in you, hint, hint, than he that's in the world. Resist the devil and he might flee from you. He will what? He will flee from you. It's a foregone conclusion. The hard part is the resisting. So I did resist the devil, Pastor. Really? How long? You know, a couple of weeks. No, that's, sometimes it's not enough. Well, I, I prayed for 20 minutes once. <laughs> Admirable, but that's not quite enough sometimes. It just depends on the struggles in your life. And if you're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, consider yourself blessed. You obviously haven't gotten into some of these real spiritual uh, battles, but sometimes you know you you get into this stuff and you will find resistance. In, you can just sense it spiritually. There is this resistance in your life, and this is the enemy trying to discourage you in your faith. The key is not a magic bullet. 
And I've been to these services where people cast demons out of other Christians and stuff, and then they go to lunch and they come back and they're casting devils out of them again at lunch. And then they have dinner and they come back at the evening service and they're casting devils out of the same people at dinner. It just doesn't seem to work to me. This is, I don't think this is what, and certainly there's nowhere in the Bible where you ever see a believer casting a devil out of another believer. Doesn't mean I'm right. It's just what I think about this. And I just, I think the Bible's, in my opinion, is fairly clear on that. So if you're wondering how come we don't have deliverance services or deliverance ministries in the church, is just because I became the pastor. <laughs> and I win. So I'm in charge now, all right? Now, if you want to get with some people and do that, then you really believe that, God bless you, just don't tell me about it. Okay. Now, so resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So there's the resisting of what is wrong and drawing close to what is right. It's a two-handed deal, okay? Resisting what's against you and pulling closer to God. And the good news is if you come close to God, he will come close to you. Then he starts yelling at him again, and he says, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded goofballs and grieve and mourn and wail I'm telling you he's yelling at these people change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom that's a scripture you don't usually quote on Sunday morning let's all grieve and mourn and quit laughing you know but why is he yelling at them like this because these people as far as he was concerned had become adulterous in their relationship they were half in cahoots with with the world and 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 and, and a wrong standard of living than with God They were connected with the devil, not resisting the devil. They weren't drawing near to God. They just thought, you know, it would just happen on its own. And he said, you guys who think like this, you need to repent. This isn't funny. This is serious. And you need to turn from this thing. And if it means crying and wailing and asking God to forgive you, then so be it. Then verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord. And then he'll lift you up. Okay? Goes on to the next thought. Uh, he says, brothers, do not slander one another. What is that? That's, that's when somebody says something bad about another person that's, that's not true. Okay, quite frankly, you really shouldn't say anything bad about anybody, even if it is true. But slander specifically is you're literally saying something that's not right on about somebody, and you're repeating uh, something in, in a bad way. You're slandering somebody, making them look bad to others. Um, a lot of people do this. Why do they do that? Uh, there's this human tendency. Uh, a quick way of trying to lift yourself up is to tear others around you down. Uh, but it's, 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 uh, it's a very bad thing to do. And, uh, and it doesn't really lift you up at all. Anyone who speaks against his brother, he says, or judges him, speaks against the law and judges it. Now remember, not to beat a dead horse here, but he's writing to Jewish Christians. Specifically, at the beginning, he's writing to Jewish Christians and his reference often is to Old Testament stuff and the Old Testament law. The Bible, as they knew it, was the, the Mosaic law. And uh, he says, if you speak against someone, you're speaking against the law and judging it. In other words, you're, you're saying, well, the law doesn't matter. What law would he be in reference to? Most likely, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, obviously God tells you to love your neighbor as yourself and, uh, and you're criticizing and destroying your neighbor and speaking evil or, or, or thou shalt not lie and you're lying about somebody. You're disrespecting God's uh, rule. And when you judge the law, you are not, uh, you're not keeping it, which is no-no to these guys because they should be keeping the law. Even the Jewish Christians still kept the law of Moses. You have to understand that. Now, the big fight in the New Testament was... 
what about non-Jews? Do they have to keep the law? And this was the big fight. And Paul, I'm pretty clear, came down on the side of no, we do not have to keep the Old Testament law. And the New Testament church got together and they made a ruling. Uh, the leader of the church, um, James at the time, said no, you don't have to keep the law. You know, you're free from that. Just, you know, walk in faith and da 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 I say that because there are people who still... It doesn't happen very often, but you'll, occasionally you'll see it pop up where they, they, they just feel Im- compelled to try and get other Christians to obey the Old Testament laws. You know, and, and they're, very, they're very oppressive things. This is no small deal. You know, this was a heavy deal. And, and, and the Bible teaches if you're going to obey part of it, you've got to obey all of it. You can't be selective. And I always get uncomfortable when I see Christians saying, well, you know, the Old Testament says you shouldn't eat pork. Yeah, that was the Old Testament. It's the law. Hand me a ham sandwich. Okay? Well, that's the Old Testament. It's a, be careful about people who tie the Old Testament to you. The Old Testament says all kinds of very, very strict and from a New Testament point of view, kind of odd and strange things. All right? The Old Testament condemned, you know, cutting or marking your body. Um, you know, those of you who have tattoos. In some places I don't want to see. Um, you know, from an Old Testament standpoint, that's you shouldn't be doing that. And I'll hear Christian, well, the Bible says you shouldn't do it. No, the Old Testament says you shouldn't do it. We don't live by the Old Testament laws. Uh, and, and if you ever want to debate that with me, I'd be happy to sit down and we can discuss it and stuff. But some people really get crazy about this stuff. And they try to take this Old Testament laws and press them on, on people of faith. And the reality is... Uh, as non-Jewish Christians who don't live by the law, we are not obligated to keep the law. The law that we're obligated to keep is the law of love, is what the New Testament test says. Love your neighbor. Love does not do dishonor to your neighbor. And in so keeping, much of the law is kept, oddly enough. You know, you don't take your neighbor's wife if you love your neighbor. You don't steal if you love your neighbor. You don't lie if you love your neighbor. So a lot of the basic tenets of the Old Testament are kept in the law of love. But the Old Testament really goes way beyond it. I mean, they really, really, really... And they're really strict Old Testament law. You know? And it's interesting how a lot of Christians are very selective in those scriptures. You know? You hear a lot of Christians say, you know, if someone's a you know, homosexual, the Bible says you should stone them to death. Does it say that in the Old Testament? Yeah, it does. It also says anybody who curses should be stoned to death. I'm pretty sure that would wipe out most of you. It says, those of you who disobey your parents should be stoned to death. That would pretty much take care of the other half of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so don't get all hung up on the... And don't be whipping out Old Testament rules and beating up on people. All right? Having said that, they did allow for Jewish Christians to continue to observe the law. So when he's talking about these guys observing it, they, they still did both. Paul couldn't understand why you'd want to do that, but it was cool if you wanted to. But just don't push that on the non-Jewish Christians. So, he says, if you're not, if you're judging, then you're not keeping the law, but you're sitting in judgment on the law by saying, you know, you're, you're disregarding it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, which is obviously God, the one who's able to save and destroy. He's the one who put this in place. God knows what he's talking about. Who are you, you nitwit, to judge your neighbor? My version has nitwit. All right? All right, so, then he's done with that. Don't slander. Don't be adulterous. Don't be unfaithful. Don't get connected to, the, to, to letting the devil push you around. Connect more with God. 
quit saying nasty things about each other. And then um, the next one he says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Is he against that? No. He says, why would you say that? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. I think the King James Bible says you are uh, but a vapor. And we used to tease each other by quoting that saying you're a butt vapor. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you're, you're a mist that appears for a while. It's a little nicer than the other version. And, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So he wasn't saying you can't plan for the future. What he was rebuking these believers was, you guys are just run around and say, well, we're going to do this, now we're going to do that, we're going to plan, and I got this plan here, we're going to do this. Ho, 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 wait a minute, he says. You don't know what the future holds. You need to remember God determines the future and you are a servant of God and if God calls you to empty out your retirement fund and go to be a missionary in Africa you need to go do it don't be arrogant and proud about how you think everything's going to turn out in your life you need to be humble which is his point if it's the Lord's will Lord willing this week, Lord willing we're going to do this or that why, why do people say that not because they're insecure as they're just saying look you know we're, we're this is our plan, but we're trusting God always has veto power. You know, you'll hear us speak saying, you know, what's our plan for the future? Well, we're going to do this and this and that, Lord willing. Why? Because Jesus has veto power. Plus, as the people of faith, man, you know, the Bible says you look through a glass darkly. You know, the future is not always clear. It's, the Bible says it's kind of obscured. If you're not really sure where things are at in your life and things look a little fuzzy, welcome to faith. That's the way it is. So, well, can't you get it clear? Nope. Why? Well, you will as soon as you die. And it'll become very clear, and the pan theory will kick in, and it will all pan out in the end. All right? In the meanwhile, we are people of faith. We're trusting God. God doesn't want you to be so arrogant and think you got everything figured out. It's all a little blurry, but God willing, this is our plan. Okay to make plans, just surrender to God. He says, as it is, you boast and brag, or do this, that, and the other. All such boasting is evil. So anyone then, he says, who knows the good uh, he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Pretty clear on what that is. Okay, now he's continuing. Chapter 5. Keeping in mind they didn't write in chapters. Remember these chapters and verse numbers were added centuries later just to help people find stuff, but it's not they didn't have it. He just keeps writing. He says, now listen, you rich people. I was going to yell at the rich people. He's rich yelling at everybody. And, uh, and he says, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Look, you've hoarded wealth in these last days. Holy cow, this guy's mean. And he's yelling at people with money. He says, is it wrong to have money? No. Again, you've got to keep reading the context. So that's the importance of the context of the Bible. And that's why I want to encourage you. Get used to looking at scriptures in context. And anybody who quotes something to you, well, the Bible says this. If you've got money, it's going to rot your soul someday. Well, go back and look at it in context. See what he's talking about. Here's was the problem. Not that these people had money, but this. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. In other words, these are guys who had money and they would rip people off. And people would come and work for them and they wouldn't pay them either a living wage or wouldn't pay them at all. 
The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. These were very wealthy men who, again, it wasn't wrong that they had wealth. It's just that they treated others very unfairly, ripping people off, hurting people, taking advantage of people, not taking care of their employees and those who work for them. La, 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 la. You know, and these guys didn't have, you know, state and federal regulations on minimum wage or any other kind of thing. These people do whatever they wanted to do. They would just do it. And if they would get arrogant and haughty, these were believers. This is the crazy thing about it. These are Christians he's writing to who just screwed people over. You know, Christians sometimes can be the meanest people in the world. Somebody say amen. Or say, oh me. All right? So, well, you know, how, how can a Christian be that way? I don't know because we just get goofy in our heads. And we forget where we came from. And we forget who we're serving. And we, This is really why he's writing to these people and going, put your face in here. Okay? He's yelling, I'm slapping upside the face. That's what he's doing. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So all of this is one great big rebuke. Okay. Then he goes out. And uh, he says that we need to be patient. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Patience is not a big, big, big exciting thing. Not a whole lot of people pay, pray for patience. You know, uh, but if we do, it's like, hurry up and give it to me, Lord. You know, my mother used to pray in Spanish, God, give me patience. When she was mad at us, but she meant like now. <laughs> give me patience. Paciencia, Señor. Paciencia, Señor. You know, she, she would just go, you know, just coming unglued. Uh, God bless her heart. Puerto Rican mama. But, uh, you know, patience, usually, the thing with patience is you got to be patient for patience. Okay, he says, he gives an analogy. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. We, you need to be patient. Um, the scripture teaches this. Uh, Paul wrote about this often. A lot of times even about uh, just doing good things or even giving financially and stuff. Be patient. you got to wait for the rewards. A lot of times people get angry because things don't happen as fast as they want. And I think that pretty much all of us get a little... We all wish things would happen faster. I mean, particularly in our culture today, we have such a fast-paced life. And uh, we, you know, we, we get... Uh, you know, like microwaves. Remember when microwave ovens came out? What a fry that was? Wow! Wow! You could put something in in two minutes? It was hot? Wow! That was amazing. Now we put it in and 66, what's taking so long? Right? Do we not? It's click, 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 click. You just push up the finger. Ding! And pull it out. You know, check it and see because it's, you know, it's been 25 seconds. How long can it take? All right, this is our life. Drive through this. You know, you go to fast food and if you don't get it in a few minutes, you get, you get irritated. I do. You don't feel like yelling. It says fast food. You're waiting. I don't think these people understand the concept of fast food. But, uh, and, and just everything is quick, 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 quick. We got instant. And things keep getting faster. You know, I like shopping on, online now. I love the internet thing, you know, and going by and stuff. Because it's the, you ding, it happens right away. It's just cool. The order's done, and I didn't have to drive anywhere. And then I'm irritated because it takes time to come in the mail. <laughs> right? And, and quite frankly, you know how, how a lot of times you can choose if you're going to buy software or something, either to download it or order the CD? How many of you always download right away? I do. I don't wait for the CD. I want to like, no, 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 no. And you wait for the thing. 
This is the world that we live in. All right? But I got news for you. God hasn't changed. Okay? Spiritual rules and principles have not changed. God is not a 21st century American. Right? The same principles that took time and patience for fruit to come back to you still is in effect. And a lot of us just need to chill and relax. The Bible teaches that we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's what Paul said. Well, I never received a harvest. Yeah, because you gave up. Well, I waited three weeks. Whoop-dee-doo. You can't give up. You'll always receive if you will plant and be faithful and stick to it. God's word is solid. That's why I love the Bible. It's so real. How many of you have discovered that God is absolutely real if you'll just be patient and trust him? I mean, it changes your life. It is so cool. Well, how come more people don't experience miracles? Because they're impatient. Quite frankly, a lot of people are just put out that they even need a miracle. They are. You know, rather than thinking, this, here's a chance for God to do something in their life, they're ticked off. Because things didn't go right. Things didn't go well. Alright? So, he says, the, the, the farmer waits for his life. You don't see a guy planting corn and in a week going, <laughs> Look at this. What a waste. <laughs> Two weeks ago, and it's still just dark. Well, you take him off to the loony bin, right? It takes time. And then eventually, little tiny green things start coming out. It takes time. You know, some of you got to quit staring at your plants. Seriously, you're so focused on your plants. Just move on. Trust God. It will come around. Just come back every so often and check it out. But if you sit there and stare at a corn stalk, it will be the longest months of your life. Each second on the clock will be and that's where we would trust God and we're praying about something and we stare at the plant. <laughs> Stupid plant. Hello, relax. Trust God. Leave it alone for a second. You know what? God doesn't really need you staring at the plant. Is this making sense to anybody? You know, we we ask God for stuff, then we come unglued. Just be patient. Sometimes things take longer than you want. You know, you just got to wait for the plant. Somebody asked me the other day, in just complete shock and horror. Do you guys still own your house over in Stevens Point? Yep. It hasn't sold yet? Nope. Are you upset? No. Goodness gracious, get away from me. Okay, you know, because why? They would they would be, they'd just come unglued. <laughs> and every day they'd be looking at their plant. <laughs> Good night! Some of you are going to die really early deaths. You know what? It's okay. We'll have a great funeral for you. It'll be wonderful. 
we, we, it'll be beautiful. We'll decorate stuff. We'll have great music. And, and, and I will preach the best sermon at your funeral you can possibly have. And, and I'll do it half price. You know, I just... Just worrying yourself to death about every little thing. Do you like not having something? No, I don't like it. But there's many things in life I don't like. Does everything in your life have to be what the way you like it? Truth is, most of you would have to go, if you're honest, yep. Everything, everything, I got everything in my life just the way I want it, just the way. That's why some of you go so crazy in your marriages. It's true. It's true. Marriage would be easy if it wasn't for your spouse. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? You know, if they would just do everything you wanted them to do? Wouldn't that be cool? You know? My, my wife just, she, she doesn't think like me. She doesn't. You know? And I'm just shocked all the time. 34 years later, I said, how come you don't think like me? Because you're an idiot. You know, I don't know what I was thinking of. We're just, you know, goodness gracious. Relax. But my husband, he's such a moron. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Just be patient. Hang in there. You know what the Bible says? Love never fails. Everybody repeat that. Love never fails. Say it again. Love never fails. But he's still an idiot. <laughs> Love never fails. It takes time sometimes. The good news is love never fails. Hang in there. You can see great miracles in your life. I encourage women. You know, women, they always want to change men. They do. They do. You know, on their wedding day, a guy looks at a woman and he says, here's, here's what a guy thinks. I love you just the way you are. I hope you never change. That's what a man thinks. That's why Billy Joel wrote that song. I love you just the way you are. You know, right? I love you. In fact, a lot of guys freak out if their wives change at all, cut their hair or do anything. <laughs> Why do guys act like that? Because they want you never to change. They love you just the way you are. That's the way guys think. Women, they look at their guys. I love you. You're great, but you really need some work. And, and they set out to change them. Right? This is what happens. The good news is you do help change the guy. Women have huge impact. If you'll do it right, you can have huge impact on the life of a man. I tell girls, you can eventually get a man to where you want him. The bad news is when you finally get there, he, he dies. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the, be patient. All right. No, it might happen quicker than that. Okay. Uh, so, so it takes the farmer a while to get back his crop. You too. Be patient and stand firm. The Lord's coming. His coming is near. And don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And he says, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. These were people, they had really, 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 really bad days. Really bad days. You can read about it in, in Hebrew. Some of these guys, the Bible says, you know, they saw great miracles. And others, they died. Some were sawn in half, the Bible says. Sawn in half. Man, I got to have all the ways to go. Getting sawed in half has got to rank right at the top of ick. Seriously, shoot me. Do something quick. Don't saw me in half. Ooh, just creeps me out thinking about it. You know, some of these guys had really, really bad days. But they stayed faithful. As you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. These are the men who were faithful. You know, Daniel and the light. And, and, and the three Hebrew children. All these people who had great trials. And they trusted God and saw great miracles. Ooh, we think that's cool. 
And then he says, you've heard of Job's perseverance. Uh, that's not Job's, that's Job. Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What is he talking about? Again, not everybody, uh, particularly if you haven't been uh, in a state of faith for very long, have no idea who Job is. Let's take a look at Job. Let's back up there. It's in the Old Testament. It's If, if you open up the middle of your Bible, pretty much, you'll pretty much hit Psalms. I mean, it's kind of like a great big book in there. It's the one book just before Psalms. It looks like Job. Job chapter 1, but it's Job. Let's see how far we get in this. We've got about 10 more minutes here. Um, in the land of Uz, that's just south of uh, De Pere. South of Uz, sounds like something from the Wizard of Oz or something. But in the land of Uz, there was a man whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. This is a lot of money, by the way. This guy was latimity, latimity, latimity. And he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Okay, this guy had it made. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. Pretty rough job. And they, they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, man, just in case any of my kids have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. If they thought a bad thing in their heart, I'm going to pray for them. I'm talking about a father who covered his kids. Talk about being a covering. Hochi mama. That's being a covering. Men, you should be covering in your home. You should be an active coverer in your home. You need to learn how to pray for your your family. And uh, and that's why. Let, let me encourage you just on that. A lot of guys feel inag- inadequate about that because they don't they don't know how to pray. You know, it's pretty simple. You don't need to pray really long prayers. God gets it. Okay? He gets it. He knows your heart. Say, God, I pray for my kids. God, I pray for my family. God, watch over us. Meet our needs. Get in a place of faith. Get in confidence. And, and pray with your family. And you know what? We still give out those uh, devotionals out there. Go get one for me. Say. I'll make Jennifer. She's my personal assistant. Her job is to make my life miserable all day long. Make, make sure I do my job. But uh, um, we got these great little things that you can pick up. For, are they free? Yes, you guys can afford free, right? All right. These these are great, great, great little things. You know, we prayed uh, as our kids grew up. Uh, we're not going to get to the whole Job story here. We'll pick it up again next week. But uh, just end it here. I want to catch this thing about how he watched over his family and prayed for his kids just in case they might have thought something wrong. I mean, here's a here's a diet guy who's on it. He didn't wait. By the way, some preventive medicine. Somebody say amen. You know, people come to me, well, my kid's a drug addict and this and that and this. And you're just now dealing with this? Well, we didn't want to say anything to anybody. Hello? Get active early on. Pay attention to what's happening in your life of your children, particularly your teenagers. Seriously. Don't quit parenting too soon. A lot of people quit parenting too soon. They really do. That's why their kids go to hell in a handbasket. Well, I trust my teenager. You're a nitwit. Trust your teenager. I got a bridge I want to sell you. Um, 
here, here is, it's a, this is a great little thing, okay? Here's a devotional. It's one little itty bitty page, okay? It's just one little bitty, bitty page. And uh, you can just, what I used to do with my kids every day, every day, we would sit down before, I don't care what time it was, whenever, sometime, we would just pull them all. It only took a couple of minutes. I would just read the one little thing. That's all. That's all you did? Yep, that's all I did. It didn't sound very spiritual. Apparently not, but I did it. I just took it and I read it. And I read the story. La, la, la. I read this Bible verse. It tells you to read it. And then you read it. Da, 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 da. And we say a simple prayer. And I'll go to bed and quit bugging me. Okay? And we did this faithfully all the time. It's easy to do, guys. Anybody can read a book. A lot of, do these even have prayers that you can pray? I don't see prayers. We should find the ones that have prayers in them. Anyway. If not, just read the thing. Just, it's, it's cool. It's very, 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 very simple. And it's a way to keep spiritual things in your home. And I tell you, the most significant influence, spiritual influence in the life of any child will be his father. It is more powerful than any woman could ever be. Some people get mad at that. That's what I truly believe. I don't even think this one. I truly believe this one. God has wired men to be leaders in their homes. He's given them an incredible impact on the life of their children. Make sure you make some kind of statement for your children. Get your family together. It just takes a little bit. Did you ever notice? I mean, we we did this whole Bible study on the Lord's Prayer, right? They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Does it ever dawn on you how short the prayer is? Seriously, did you ever notice that? I mean, he could have went into a 27-page deal that you take an hour and a half every day to do. He says, teach us how to pray. He says, okay, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 20 seconds. Now, I encourage you to take a little bit longer on it and build it up. But I mean, certainly, I'm always struck by that. There was not this huge requirement to get extremely lengthy in your prayers as men. And let's face it, most guys aren't real wordy. We're not. You know, some guys are. You know, my son-in-law, is, you know, we tease him, you know. But uh, uh, he's, he's the girl in the family. But uh, he, he's a... <laughs> <laughs> he'd laugh if he was here but anyway you know some guys there's always exceptions but generally most guys aren't real wordy and real you know and, and that's why they feel so uncomfortable when they've got to do devotions and leave they, just, well, you, you, they want their wives to say, well you just do it you just do it here's it why because they just feel like guys don't like to come the good news is you don't have to say a whole lot the beauty is, is we got these little things you can pick up for free every night Morning, whatever's the best time for you, just pull all your family together. We did this with our kids until they left the house. They were 18, 19 years of age. And if they had their buddies with them and stuff like that, and it was 10 o'clock, and we just, I think it was always 10 o'clock at night, we'd say, okay, everybody in here! And they'd drag their teenage friends, everything, we'd all sit down, and dad would read one of these things. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Amen. Okay, see ya. But talk to our kids. This had huge impact on them. Why? Because dad was making a statement all the time. Talking about spiritual truth. Taking spiritual realities. Taking a position as a man of faith in the home. It doesn't take a lot. You don't have to pray lots of words. You don't even have to say lots of words. But you cannot be silent. 
Because if you're silent, it speaks reams to your family. You say, well, I'm uncomfortable. That's why we have these things. It makes it really, really easy. Okay? We'll give you the tools you need. But be the kind of father that Job was, the kind of husband Job was, protecting, being a shelter, being a covering. Be a man. Let me challenge you. Suck it up. Step it up. You can do this. This is not hard. Nobody's expecting you to be a Bible scholar. Okay? But you can do the most basic thing, which is write a couple of paragraphs to your kids every night. Even from the youngest age until they even get older. It's it's a a great thing. And how many of you women would appreciate it if your husbands would do something like that? Yes. Okay? It's good. Do your deal. All right? And ladies, when they do it, do not criticize them. Well, you know, you're reading too fast. Well, well, slow down. Well, tell us what you think about it. Hush, 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 hush. I mean it. Let him do it. Good, bad, or ugly. He might go, all right, a few minutes later, my father, okay, let's pray. Hush. He'll get better at it. Let him do his deal. All right? (laughs) All right, so come back next week, and I'll pick up with the Job thing. And it's a great story, so you can see why James used this example of this incredible story of this man in the Old Testament. Okay? Y'all still love me? All right, cool. So, I'm going to ask the ushers to come up, and uh, we'll, we'll take our Wednesday night offering, and then and let you go. Him, our worship team can come back up. Get ready. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going, man? Did you have a good day today, Jim? Did you have a good day today? Did you? Man of faith? <laughs> I love you just the way you are is what he's playing. It's good. So he actually paid attention tonight. That's good. Okay, good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, your truth. Uh, We love you, God. We pray now as as we take this offering that you will bless uh, these gifts uh, back into your kingdom. Thank you for providing for us, Lord. Thank you for making it possible for us to support our families, to to meet our own needs. But Lord, we want to honor you with our our first gifts back to you. Bless these offerings, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, sing a song.